0: Welcome, everyone, to Strictly JoJo, a podcast dedicated to JoJo's bizarre adventure. My name is Courtney. This is episode 68, and we're discussing our favorite JoJo villains. As always, there'll be spoilers for this episode and probably anything that's happened in the JoJo anime, because when we talk about these villains, I think everything is fair game.
1: Yeah, because I'm sure the villains you picked and that I picked are significant parts of the JoJo parts.
0: It's gonna be hard to describe why we like these villains if we can't spoil what they did in their respective parts. So yes, there will be plenty of spoilers ahead. But before we get into anything, we have a very special patron shout out that we'd like to do for our newest patron, Gunther D. Welcome to our Patreon. Thank you so much for your support.
1: Yes, thank you, Gunther. For supporting the Strictly series, we know for sure that you are no villain in our bizarre adventure.
0: (laughs) I like these tie-ins that you do to the episode topic.
1: Thanks, I I try.
0: But yes, we really appreciate your support. It means the world to us. um, And hopefully you enjoy everything that we have to offer on our Patreon. And if any of you would like to support the show and get access to things like our bonus episodes, um, the pre-shows that we do before each of our episodes, we kind of use them as a warm-up to to get, you know, comfortable before we jump into the show. And the one we did most recently was about our, our favorite movies. Um, you can get access to our show schedules and see what's coming up next and submit questions for us to answer on our podcast and in our patron-only Q&A. All that fun stuff is over at patreon.com slash the Strictly Series, so go check it out.
1: And another thing that you should definitely check out is our guest feature on the Simping for Senpai podcast, which should be coming out later this week. Uh, we were with Ash from Simping for Sampai, and we were talking all about husbandos, one of our favorite subjects.
0: Yeah, you guys may remember Ash um, from Strictly Anime when he joined me to talk all about the second season of The Rising of the Shield Hero. So he invited us onto their podcast, and we had just as good of a time as when he was on our show. It's always fun talking to him because he brings a really good vibe, and Husbandos is going to be a very passionate topic, and it certainly was.
1: And who knows? There might be JoJo references in some of the husbandos that we mentioned.
0: Just might be. You (laughs) never know.
1: But yeah, I think that episode will be live later this week on the 30th.
0: Yes, November 30th. So head over to Simping for Senpai podcast on November 30th to hear us talk all about husbandos with Ash. By the time this episode goes live, um, we will be in Japan for our Japan trip.
1: Wow. It's kind of like we're in the future can you imagine
0: if i said we will be in japan <laughs> for our our england trip like <laughs> i don't know i'm that being very not, redundant that right would now. be
1: a very jojo themed trip yeah
0: <laughs> yes we at, at the moment we are in the middle of our trip to japan we've talked a little bit already about um, our overall plans for this trip um, it's going to be filled with plenty of jojo stuff i'm sure we are looking to go to Bar Dio. We're looking to go to the Jojo Ramen Shop in Osaka. Yes. Um, unfortunately, the 10th anniversary Jojo event at the Tokyo Skytree has already ended, but we're going to try to find something else to go to that's Jojo-themed.
1: Yeah, I, I did read that, well, there's like a Togashi exhibition somewhere, like in a Japanese art museum, um, and it does feature... Araki did a drawing of Yusuke, from Yu Yu Hakusho for that exhibition. So (laughs) it's not really JoJo themed, but it does involve Araki. So if we get a chance to go to that, I'd love to see it.
0: It involves Araki and Togashi. Like that's Mm -hmm. that's pretty fucking awesome. Um, So yeah, anything that we come across that's JoJo related, we're going to do our best to share pictures um, and just... You know, updates from our trip on our Discord. So if you're not a member and you'd like to join and kind of stay up to date on what we're doing in Japan, then head over to our description for this episode. You'll find the link to join right down there. And we're also looking to do um, a bonus episode just for our patrons of our entire Japan experience. So if you're interested in hearing all about our trip to Japan that we're currently in the midst of, right now as this is airing um then head over to patreon you'll be able to listen to it there um depending on the tier that you select and yeah but i think when we get back um and we jump back into our stone ocean review series we'll also share like a quick update on any jojo stuff that we came across here on strictly jojo And as a quick reminder, our schedule is going to look a little bit interesting. So this week is our discussion episode. I'm so excited to get back into a discussion episode. It's literally been months since we've had one. Um, December 5th is going to be a break week, again, because we're in Japan and we don't have the means to record while we're in Japan. And then December 12th, we will be back with weekly episodes as we review the final part of Stone Ocean, and that'll take us all the way through till March.
1: Damn, we're going to be in Japan when that comes out. We, we are, are. currently <laughs> in Japan while Stone Ocean Part 3 is out. Yeah, it comes out <laughs>
0: December 1st, and so we're going to watch it. But I don't know, being in Japan, if they'll offer the English subtitles based on our location. <laughs> so I would we'll hope see. so. I would hope so, too, because it is on Netflix. I hope yeah. there is that option, but if not... I don't know, maybe we jump on a VPN and we say just, that we're back we in the just, States. No,
1: we watched it raw.
0: <laughs> yeah, raw, no subtitles, just guess what the fuck's happening the whole I'll time. I don't know what
1: yada yada means. <laughs> I feel like
0: I feel like we would be able to maybe, maybe muster through like a very simple slice of life or like romance anime, raw with no sub with no subtitles, but a JoJo anime, like there's mm-hmm. no way we could figure out what the fuck is going on without subtitles.
1: I mean, we would just be hearing band or musician names, and that, <laughs> that would be that it. <laughs> would all, that'd be all we know.
0: But we promised to watch the proper subtitles in preparation for Stone Ocean's final part. I know we talked about that already in the last episode, but man, I'm so excited! I'm so excited to get into the finale and see this story all the way through and uh, talk about it with you, and finally be able to talk about everything I know. This is so weird being a a manga reader it never happens to me and here i am trying to hold in all the spoilers
1: yeah it's like you have power over me or something <laughs> I, i'm just glad that even though it was a a bulk release for these three cores through netflix that i was able to finally experience a, a jojo part as it was coming out um stone ocean i think is the first one that we've both watched where it's been in real time like we had to kind of catch up with parts one through five but this was a proper thing that we were joining the community with in celebrating and watching and yeah it's gonna be a little bit bittersweet to see the conclusion of stone ocean uh, especially because who knows when they'll adapt steel ball run
0: you gotta have but... faith okay you gotta <laughs> believe that it'll happen in that two-year time frame even though stone ocean took longer than that
1: yeah it's probably going to be like Five years again. All the horses that you, you got to animate for that part—it's <laughs> gonna be crazy. But yeah, for right now, I'm going to live in the moment and enjoy the third core for Stone Ocean when it releases, or as it's currently released. It's so funny talking about these things in like a future or like a future present tense. If <laughs> that makes sense.
0: Let's get into talking about our favorite JoJo villains. Yes, we are back with a discussion episode. I, I I wanted to look back and see when the last time was we did a discussion episode, but I was almost afraid to see how long it's been. I know it's been months and months and months. Um so this is gonna be a really fun change of pace. And we have um we have like a running list of JoJo topics we eventually want to cover. And I know this topic has been at the top of the list for quite some time because there are some really interesting, really noteworthy, really memorable villains that come out of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. So we knew it was only a matter of time before we tackled the subject. And as always, the two of us have put together our lists totally separate. So we don't know what's on each other's list. We could probably guess (laughs) knowing how well we know each other. um, Mm -hmm. But we're going to go through this blind. We didn't go into it thinking let's rank them. But I figure if we're talking about our favorite JoJo villains, there's probably... A hierarchy to them so do you want to talk about like your quote-unquote number three the number two the number one villain
1: yeah i think it would be fun to see who you ranked but like you said i'm sure i know who your number one is
0: yeah <laughs> i've talked about it a lot um and then we also wanted to make all villains fair game big and small so it's not just going to be the main antagonist of each of the parts we might tap into some of the smaller or more minor or supporting villains just depending on our personal taste at least in my list i am mm. not i am going to have some non main antagonists in here
1: interesting cuz i feel like the character the villains i chose are pretty significant
0: Ooh. Interesting. Okay. Well, let's dive into it. Do you want to start, or do you want me to start?
1: I think mean, let's have you start. Okay. You always put me on the spot. Because well, I think my, <laughs> my number one is probably going to make sense in the bigger scheme of JoJo. I'm going to leave it at that.
0: Okay. Well, my number three favorite JoJo villain. Is Wamu from Part Two battle tendency? Well,
1: there goes one of mine.
0: Oh shit, you have Wamu as well. Wait, where do rank wa- wa- Wamu on your list?
1: I put him at number two. Number two. Yes. Okay.
0: Well, we can both go through then why we love Wamu so much. I think for me, the the one part that captivates me the most about Wamu is that among the Pillar Men, he is the one that upheld his beliefs to the fullest. And wanted to do right, not only by his leaders, but also by the warrior code, even if those things conflicted at times. Um, we did see like flashbacks of Wamuu when he didn't want to kill an innocent child. But then, you know, Cars kind of forced him to do so because he's like, if you don't kill his child now, this child could grow into a threat to our kind. Um, but yeah, I mean, Wamuu respects everyone and everything around him, even if those things are his direct enemies. My favorite part, though, about Wamu is his rivalry with Joseph. It's different than the rivalry that Joseph has with Caesar. Um, They still butt heads, but Caesar and, and Joseph are, of course, on this path together. They're always aligned in what their end goal is. But with Wamu, he's butting heads with Joseph because they're rivals in a more direct sense. Um, Because Joseph knows exactly how to push Wamu's buttons, how to get under his skin. um, But they still respect each other. One of my favorite parts about Wamu is when Caesar shows up to that abandoned hotel in, what was it, Switzerland? Yes, and he goes to the front door, and Wamu opens the door. He, I guess, struts out in his like wind cloak. And the first thing he asks Caesar is, Where is that audacious loudmouth when he's referring to Joseph? Mm-hmm. So even though Caesar is standing right in front of him, all Wamu can fixate his mind on is, Where's Joseph? I need to kick his ass because he is my biggest rival. But then on the flip side of that, when Wamu's demise inevitably happens, it's one that's full of respect. You've got Wamu respecting Joseph as a fellow warrior and speaking highly of him in his final moments. And then Joseph showing that respect in return by giving him a a death that's worthy of the warrior that Wamu is so they just they, they go full circle it's just so great to see like from the moment Wamu and Joseph meet each other where Joseph is like tricking Wamu into thinking that he's passed out on the ground or that he's dead yet he's crawling away every time he turns his back To, again, like the final battle that the two of them have where Joseph literally cuts open his hand to give Wamu his blood to stop the pain that he's experiencing. I mean, that is just the coolest, um, coolest bit of relationship development that you see between a villain and a hero. But what about you? What makes Wamu your number two favorite villain?
1: I think you touched upon a lot of the same points that I love Wamu for. Uh, I think first and foremost, like we've seen throughout JoJo that we have these antagonists turned allies. I want to say Wamuu kind of fits in that category. category. He's a, a unique case, and his makes for a really compelling, I guess, villain case study compared to a lot of the other antagonists in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, particularly because I don't really consider himself a villain. Of course, when he's introduced... Uh, in part two he's one of these feared pillar men like these mythical pillar men and he has one of the most memeable moments in part two when he does the awaken my masters and you have the ay, 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 playing uh but uh, when it boils down to it again Wamu's not evil for like the sake of being evil it's just that he is he lives by this warrior code that kind of dictates his moral compass uh, so in that case like he was only being antagonistic for the sake of protecting his friends or i guess his masters right cars and acdc but he comes to realize that even though he has these adversaries in caesar and especially in joseph going back to his warrior code he learns to be able to respect them for their character and their strength and even at the end of the chariot race chariot race which by the way is one of the most bizarre parts of part two because of all of the one-upsmanship between joseph and wamu
0: it's a big dick slinging contest
1: yeah i think that's what i or we had called it in our uh, review for that particular episode. But after all of that craziness, and even with Wamu pulling out his, his last stops and trying to stop Joseph, it's Joseph who gives in return a, a gesture of kindness. Um, but only because, again, Wamu, living by his warrior code, showed respect to Caesar in his last moments by not bursting that Hamon blood bubble that Joseph eventually discovered.
0: Yeah, it's a really good point that he not only respects Joseph, but does respect Caesar. Um, that final fight is one that it, it's brutal to watch, but I think Wamu sees how um, not desperate, but adamant Caesar is about winning um, and about achieving his goal. And I think that that changes the way Wamu sees Caesar in that moment.
1: Mm-hmm. And then even how he sees Joseph later on because uh, acknowledging that he is a true warrior, much as Wamu himself is, um, they, they come to terms and, and come to a, a sort of peace where I would say that Wamu dies a, a friend of, of Joseph.
0: I feel like Wamu is one of those villains where um, he doesn't do much for himself. He's doing everything in service or through command of other people. Because when you think about it, like, what does Wamu actually want for himself? I think we've touched on it. Like, he just wants to uphold the warrior code and be a true warrior and find other warriors that he can, I don't know, do battle with or respect or work alongside. So he's one of those villains where if you just took where he's placed – and put him somewhere else, he could easily not be a villain.
1: Right. I would say that Wamu is not necessarily evil. He's just simply a villain that believes he is doing the right thing, which I think makes for more compelling villains. And we've seen that in other anime or even in in movies and TV shows. So that's what I think makes Wamu really stick out as a villain in JoJo.
0: I completely agree. Um, I love villains that are more in that gray space in that uh, where they're morally ambiguous, where they could go one way or the other. I, As much as I love like a purely evil villain that you can just get behind and root for their demise, um, there's something equally exciting about feeling conflicted when you watch a villain on screen and you somewhat sympathize with maybe some of the things that they're going through or understand where they're coming from or what led them to being where they are today. So then if Wamuu is your number two villain, who's your number three villain?
1: Maybe this won't come as a surprise to you. Uh, My number three is from part five, Golden Wind. And that's the big baddie for part five, which is Diavolo.
0: That is a surprise. I don't know why I would never think that you like Diavolo. Have you talked about that a lot?
1: I mean, I've talked before about how I consider part five to be my favorite part of Jojo, just because I think it... It really, it's it's a really dark part compared to some of the other parts in JoJo, and also I think it resonates really strongly with the themes in JoJo of fate and destiny, uh, and especially with Diavolo. Well, first of all, first off, his his name is Italian for devil, so go figure. Like that. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a great villain in my eyes, uh, but I think that Diavolo takes a concept from. Yoshikage Kira's book of concealing one's identity by any means necessary to the point where he like uses a baby-faced boy to really cover up his existence and just along with this or like with this whole concept I think Diavolo really amplifies it to a level that is threatening on a much bigger scale than what I consider Kira's to be like small town shenanigans (laughs) and I think Diavolo is very unlike, I think, the, the villain that is most prominent in Jojo. Uh, he's very unlike Dio in that where Dio is very public about his malevolence and his evil acts, Diavolo only likes to operate from the shadows, almost like he's this figurehead of a secret society. But that's being applied in Part 5 to this mafia hierarchy. So, it makes for this really great environment where you see a villain who exerts control over whatever he can get his hands on. For some reason, that kind of reminds me of um, Giovanni and Pokemon. (laughs) Kind of like how he was. Because they both have Italian names. (laughs) I guess, yeah, that, but also just the the mystery around them. Uh, And then Diavolo is kind of obsessed with this idea of perfection and is opposed to showing any sort of vulnerability, even to the point where he thinks revealing his personal information or his identity, he perceives that as a sign of weakness. And, of course, that plays a huge part in Part 5 with uh, Passione's, or, like, Bucerti's gang's mission, the bu- the Bucci gang's mission to <laughs> bring Trish to Diavolo. Uh, And then all of this, like this pursuit of perfection, I think is tied in very well with uh, Diavolo's stand, King Crimson, which I also consider a unique evolution of Dio's stand, the world. Because instead of simply stopping time, King Crimson is able to manipulate time to allow events to turn out in Diavolo's favor. Again, reinforcing his need and obsession for perfection. Which makes me think, like, imagine if Dio had King Crimson in his final showdown against Jotaro instead of the world. I think the tides could have easily turned in his favor. Uh, but all of these things build up Diavolo to have this really poetic end, or like poetic demise at the end of part five, when he faces off against Giorno's gold experience, Requiem, where he's stuck in this endless time loop, where I think he like he experiences various forms of death, and he doesn't have any control over the situation or trying to save himself there's a beauty in seeing this malevolent villain do all of these awful things as the head of Passione, and then him getting his just desserts by the main jojo protagonist and that's a journey that is just so satisfying to watch throughout part five is how buchi gang Like, they become the traitors of Passione, and they do their damnedest to fight against a villain who, like, he tries to control what he can, but then it's become out of control.
0: I do enjoy Diavolo. I think there's such an intensity behind him that we have not seen since Dio in part three. Um, He... He just, like is so adamant, like you said, about about his goals, about protecting his identity, about um remaining this mysterious head of this this mafia. Um, but like he's also, I don't know. like he's also very eerie because he has a split personality with dopio right and and treats dopio as almost like one of his lackeys, but then also cares about him when he calls him like my my sweet dopio or whatever it just it just shows that there's so much more complexity to diavolo than just being like a really evil person like he's got some actual issues stemming from his origin st- story that we get mm-hmm. in part 5 that like he is grappling with but what what sold you on diavolo was it when we found out that he wanted to kill trish was it when he killed bucciarati technically when he donated him Was it everything that happened at the Coliseum? Like, what, at what point in the story were you sold on him?
1: I think it's just getting to see his ultimate fate, kind of that getting thrown back at his face. Because, like I said, Diavolo is constantly in the pursuit of perfection and making sure that whatever he does is always in his favor. So, for that to get ripped away from him at the very end, it really makes it made me reflect on everything that diavolo has done and i just love how it it, again it ties into the jojo themes of fate and destiny because diavolo was so so eager and willing to put fate in his hands but you can only do that up until up to a fault and then that just set him down this path where now he has to live infinite deaths for an infinite amount of years.
0: And if you like Diavolo as your number three, does that include Dopio? Or do you look at Dopio as a totally separate character? And what are your thoughts on Dopio?
1: Honestly, I think Dopio is confusing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I kind of view him as a separate character. Uh, but I, I know that it kind of plays again into this idea of Diavolo wanting to protect his identity. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of consider dopio as a separate character for the purposes of this discussion the only downside i would say to diavolo is his bdsm drip (laughs) because how can you be a respected mob boss when you've barely got a t-shirt on
0: you don't like that diavolo taking off his shirt meme
1: what was that meme
0: so i fucking love this meme so it's like gifs and videos of like really lewd anime characters about to take off their shirt, but then it changes to when Doppio took off his shirt and then became Diavolo. Oh, so it like tricks you. Okay. It's so funny. Um, Let me see if I can find a link or a uh, a gif that we can share in the Discord because if anyone hasn't seen this, this meme, I think you should because they're pretty good.
1: I mean, he's the head of a... A Mafia family and I think it was the anin aninin- why can't I anonymity of this leader of Passione that made him feel so threatening because we see in the first part of Golden Wind that even Bucerity is unable to reach him directly, like he has to message him on a computer or people have to relay messages to each other to get what the boss is trying to convey. And then he reveals his identity and you just realize he's he's a JoJo character. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, like obviously he he is menacing. Again like the way that he's drawn, it's just like that that pink hair, uh, with the the black cow dots on it, and then his barely threaded together shirt. Um, it makes him seem less threatening. But again, I think it's what his, his actions that speak louder than his outfit.
0: <laughs> so, my number two favorite JoJo villain. Um, may come as a surprise to you but maybe not we'll see and it's actually whole horse from part three stardust crusaders you're giving me Uh, a really weird face right now (laughs) i I
1: can see like you've mentioned whole horse many times in our part three discussions
0: he's just so funny and i know he's more of a minor villain or a supporting villain as he is one of dio's agents um throughout part three but I just love him in the way I love Polnareff because he's fucking dumb. Like Polnareff is like the dumb, lovable character. Whole Horse is kind of like that, but on the villain side of things. And Iraqi has said, and we've talked about this in our part three review series, um, that Whole Horse, I think, was originally intended to be a Joe Bro, like another foe turned friend, but he was too similar to Polnareff. So it would be mm-hmm. too difficult to write him in and not have like... Basically, two Polnarefs at the same time. But that's what makes him great. Like, I love those types of characters. Um, he, Whole Horse, again, is a dumbass, but it's just so funny every time he does something that is really stupid. And because he's a mirror image of Polnareff, uh it's it's so funny anytime they butt heads. Like, Whole Horse is just overly confident, but also a huge coward at the same time, who hides behind um, Jay Guile with, uh, was it Man in the Mirror? Yes. And then he also hides behind Boingo. I can't remember Boingo's. Oh, wait, it
1: wasn't Man in the Mirror. Uh, well, my thing is, is at the yeah, part. It's part stand? five. Uh, what the hell was J. Guile's stand? It has to do with the Egyptian. Oh, no, sorry, the tarot cards. Hanged Man. Hanged Man. There you go. All right, I was close. It's still the word man. <laughs> Hanged Man in the Mirror.
0: So, yeah, he hides behind Jay Guile. He hides behind Boingo. And Boingo has no fighting ability whatsoever. Um, but he. He's also one of those rare villains in part three that makes a, uh, makes repeat appearances because we see him again in the episode where um, Polnareff thinks that Avdol dies with Jay Guile. We see him again in, um, I think, when they get to Enya's, like, not house, but like the hotel that she's mm. kind of uh, not staying at, but hiding in. Um, Whole Horse comes back then. We also see him again when he teams up with Boingo. And it's just every time he tries to do anything, it just simply does not work out for him. So he he poses a threat because he has the ability to be a strong enemy stand user. And he knows how to use Emperor and how to, um, you know, strategically shoot his bullets from a certain distance and at a certain angle in order to reach his target but just things don't ever fucking work out for him. So he's just a wonderful bit of comedic relief that we get um, as we go through all of the, you know, enemy stand user of the week formula in Stardust Crusaders.
1: As I'm hearing you talk about Whole Horse, it's reminding me of Okuyasu from part four. Yeah, same vibes. (laughs) Yeah, because I would say Whole Horse has a pretty powerful stand, like a Emperor, right? That's what it's called. Yeah, and it's basically a gun where the bullet is guaranteed to shoot its target. <laughs> Although I'm reminded of uh, Whole Horse and Boingo's team up, where he shoots the bullet through that pipe, and it's supposed to hit Jotro and then Polnareff sneezes <laughs> Jotro's face, and so the bullets end up missing target. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a situation where like Whole Horse is a is a villain who's too cocky for his own good. Where he can't effectively use emperor in certain situations, and I guess that it just plays up to the comedy of it. Uh, it would be interesting to see what whole horse would have been like with the crusaders. Although I think again, that's that's too many cooks in the in the room of crusaders.
0: I wonder what's going on with the whole horse part four collab. Yeah. Manga. Mm-hmm. i mean i'm always down for more whole horse he's, collabor-
1: <laughs> he's like teaming up with a uh, josuke
0: i think it? so yeah it's just a,
1: such a random team up i know <laughs> like are they in moriocho or where <laughs> and is
0: Jotaro gonna show up at some point and be like holy shit whole horse is still around
1: <laughs> yeah and i don't know where that what where that fits in the timeline uh i think or actually i think it's between part three and four because it's around the time Josuke got Crazy Diamond.
0: Okay, so then Jotaro isn't even likely to show up then.
1: Yeah, but then I feel like that could have had such great material in part four if Josuke were to say, oh, by the way, I teamed up with this guy in a cowboy hat who can magically manifest a gun out of thin air and then have Jotaro connect the dots. He'll be
0: like, holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) How is he still alive? How is whole horse still alive? (laughs)
1: Well, we know who my number two is, uh, so I don't. I don't know if I should like just make an honorable mention. For... No,
0: share your number one. Let's hear it.
1: All right. Well, my number one is of course the biggest baddie in JoJo, which is Dio, and I think there's no. Wait, wait
0: you got to clarify: Are we talking Dio Brando from Part One or Dio from Part Three?
1: I guess Dio when he after he rejects his humanity.
0: Okay, so like Part. Partially part one, as it's well as part It's the same three. person. <laughs> <laughs> They're all Dio, That's whether true. or right, not he right. has the Brando last name.
1: But yeah, there's no other antagonist in JoJo that I think holds a candle to the ultimate form of evil that is Dio or Dio Brando. And it's clear because nearly every part of JoJo, save for part two and maybe some of part four, has Dio's presence either standing right in front of you or looming in the shadows and you know there's no redeemable quality about dio besides like his frightening charisma which we see a lot of in part three and i think the best way to describe him is that he's this antichrist figure in the world of jojo and i think he's probably one of the few examples of a villain in anime that i love just for the sake of being pure evil so I want to bring this up as a question. What is it about Dio that makes us JoJo fans excuse his one note characteristic of being evil incarnate?
0: I think re- because it's what defines him. Like it it's mm. so just blatantly Dio to just be pure evil no matter what. Like he has no redeemable qualities. Like redeemable in the sense of like, you know, maybe being salvageable or maybe um, having a redemption arc of some sort like it's just it's never going to be what dio is from the mm-hmm. moment his character is introduced he is pure evil even before he obtains his you know vampire powers to the mask so I think I, I think it's um, maybe that just makes him unique i I talked earlier about how it's fun to watch a purely evil character but it's a little more exciting or maybe it's equally exciting but in a different sense to watch a morally ambiguous character i think we're in an era where villains are very deeply written Um, they have so many complexities to them so many layers to them that dio's almost a breath of fresh air because you know no matter what nothing is going to change him nothing is going Mm -hmm. to change him not even the kindness that george joestar the first ever showed him was enough to change him um so i don't know it's just like you 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 see what you get with dio and that's kind of nice
1: yeah i think i would or you
0: get what you see did i did i fuck that up what? you see what you get you get you what you see
1: oh yeah you see what you get
0: <laughs> i don't know <laughs> but no, i think
1: that's the same reasoning that i came up with and i was actually reading an article from comic book resources uh, titled five reasons why dio is the best villain and five reasons why it's Kira. Uh, But one excerpt from the article about Dio says, The character has no reason to be evil besides the sake of being evil. Dio literally lives to make others suffer, and while that may seem like it's just bad writing, it isn't. It's simple but strong character writing, and it's something that makes Dio memorable. So like you said, there's nothing really in the story of, I guess, all, all the parts of JoJo where... Dio shows like a, a new leaf turned. Um, even looking back at part one where Jonathan is cradling his severed head, even that act of love wasn't enough for Dio to, to hang up his gloves and just die off for good. Like he obviously returned in that, that coffin, whether it was the right coffin or it was a a decoy coffin that (laughs) Erina wasn't in um, that caused him to just come back in part three with a vengeance, and it looks like part six with an even bigger vengeance, too. So, yeah, it's just, again, with Dio just being pure evil, it makes sense that he just wants to keep returning so he can exert his power and his influence over the world of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure.
0: I think the other reason that we as JoJo fans love Dio so much is because he is literally ingrained in the legacy of the Joestars. Mm -hmm. I mean, his existence is almost what propels the Joestar lineage into what it is today. Because if if Jonathan had lived a normal life, had never met Dio, um, had never encountered the evils that are related to the mask would we be where we are today like no and and i think knowing that dio's impact continues to um continues to hit the joestar lineage even into part six long after his demise that just tells you again like how tightly woven these threads are between dio and the joe stars and dio talks about it all the time in all of the parts that he's in he says, I cannot get rid of these fucking Joe stars. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no matter what always I do, um, I can't get rid of them. Always on my way. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's just something that goes hand in hand with Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. Like when you think Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, you think Dio. Like that it's just it's natural.
1: And I think another credit to why Dio has become such a great villain in the anime adaptation of JoJo. Like We have to give credit to the Japanese voice actor, Takehito Koyasu, for making this version of Dio in David Productions' adaptation so much more iconic in the delivery of beloved lines like Hinjaku, Hinjaku, or when he says all the the muda, 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 or the zawardo, or goodbye, Jojo. All of these great lines that are delivered with the right amount of emotion and... (laughs) threats <laughs> and, and i guess menace that's what well use, like because you know jojo menacing like with the right amount of emotion and menace in his voice so yeah, major props to takehito koyasu for making the significant contributions to the jojo anime
0: it's time to reveal my number one favorite jojo villain and it's the exact opposite of yours. If there were mm-hmm. if there were an exact opposite villain to Dio, it would be Yoshikage Kira from Part 4 Diamond is Unbreakable.
1: Of of course
0: of course if you've been listening to strictly jojo long enough or even strictly anime you've probably heard me talk about uh, kira and how he is one of my favorite villains of all time and is my favorite villain of jojo's bizarre adventure and really it, it all boils down to how fucking unique he is there's something so different about kira that you don't experience with any other Jojo villain so far. And again, we're anime only people, so we've only experienced up through part six. So maybe maybe the future villains are somewhat like Kira, but as of right now, there's no one else like him.
1: Although I say like Poochie has a little bit of Kira vibes with concealing his identity, or even like I said, Diavolo. But yeah, Kira is still unique in his category of Jojo villain.
0: And here's why I think he's unique. Um, Every other JoJo villain is seeking something. They want power. They want um, to rule the world. They want to destroy the world. Like there is something so larger than life about every single JoJo villain. And then you have Kira, who literally says he just wants to live a quiet life. (laughs) Like that, that is his whole thing. He's like, leave me the fuck alone. I just want to be a serial killer and collect women's hands and clip my nails. Like he is so fucking weird. He doesn't want anything but to be left the fuck alone. And you get that sense especially when um, Josuke and the gang are tracking him down and he literally runs away from them and changes his identity just to get the fucking peace and quiet that he wants it is just so bizarre to me and I love it so much and when you see all of these other very intense, very grand Jojo villains in the other parts. There's always a consistent threat that they pose to their respective Jojo and Joe bros. But when it comes to Kira, he rarely has the upper hand against the protagonist. He mm. rarely has the upper hand against Jotsuke and Jotaro and the gang. He's really one of the few main villains um, that actually keeps getting his ass handed to him and rarely has anything work out in his favor. Like He gets caught by Shigechi. That was the, the start of all of it. That was the start of all the chain of events.
1: My boy, Shigechi.
0: He has to hide his identity again by stealing another man's life. Um He's he is not the most powerful villain, let alone the most powerful stand user in Morio. He's just decently average at best. He can just blow shit up in a very strategic way, but he still is able to hold his own, right? Like he still is a, a threat to Morio, um, and to the JoBro. So it's not like he's a, a throwaway villain by any means, but he's not going to be, if you pit all the JoJo villains against each other, Kira's probably the first to die. Let's be honest. <laughs>
1: But he's the most well dressed out of them. All. That
0: is true, <laughs> and really, he's just a regular fucking dude. Everything about him is regular, minus the serial killer stuff. I mean, that's that's maybe not so you know normal, um, but you know, all around, he's kind of just a regular guy. Um, also. I think the way he's portrayed is so good. Araki does a fantastic job of really portraying him as that creepy fucking serial killer. Again, he is obsessed with women's hands um, ever since he saw the Mona Lisa and got a hard-on over it. And he carries those hands around with him after he kills the women. We also see his fingernails grow when his like killer instincts intensify. And he even keeps a jar of nail clippings in his desk drawer for whatever reason. Um and i just i think what's also interesting about him is that he's not even formally introduced as the main antagonist of part 3 sorry of part 4 until episode 21 it mm-hmm. is so late in the game when they actually say oh by the way here's your main villain for this part but then he steals the show for the rest of that part. So for him to come in late in the game and then just be the primary focus and do a fantastic job as the villain is not an easy task. And Araki did a great job writing him.
1: I know that people like to joke that um, part four is the slice of life adaptation of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. Um, And so I guess you could say, yeah, compared to Dio... To diavolo, to cars and all, all the great villains in the Jojo parts uh, Kira is kind of like your slice of life villain. but I will say that you know even though he is just a regular human being who wants to live a quiet life, he still possesses that larger than life characteristic of all of these villains that still makes him a viable threat even in the small town of Moriocho.
0: We talked about Wamu being the type of villain that is morally ambiguous to the point where you can pull him out of his current situation, place him in a different situation that's maybe more positive, and he could be a redeemable character in terms of like his actions. Kira is not that way. You pluck him out of Morio, you put him somewhere else, he's still a serial killer. <laughs> yes. He's still psycho. He's still creepy. Um, he still has issues. Like the guy has, like Diavolo, deep-rooted issues. So it's very opposite of Dio where he just is evil. You just know him mm-hmm. as evil even if you don't understand why. I mean, we, we get some idea, right? We, we know about Dario. We know about his upbringing um, and kind of about his personality. But with Kira, it's like these deep-rooted things where even if you were to – defeat him but not like kill him can you change him like can you change that i know that's like a whole other topic right like people have wondered that about criminals and, and whatnot so you know certainly a discussion for another day but it's just like that makes him so much more complex that makes diavolo so much more complex because how much does it take besides whooping their ass to stop them as an actual threat or will they just continue to be the threat that they are to their respective towns or the world or whatever and of course Yoshikage Kira has one of the best villain theme songs in Jojo
1: oh yeah I was gonna bring that up uh, it's I think it's actually called killer uh, by Yugo Kano which is just
0: perfect it is <laughs> not flashy or loud at least for the most most uh, most of the song it is a perfect match for who Kira actually is and his personality it's slow it's eerie. But it also builds up to the end when the orchestra just fucking busts in, and you know that shit's about to go down. Like that's it's almost the same way as like building up to an explosion, which is his standability. Mm -hmm. Like he he's like building up and building up, and suddenly he just bursts and becomes this true threat to the Joe Bros.
1: It does have very serial killer vibes to it with how quiet it starts out. You know, it's just a simple. Uh, piano progression but like you said it has that tinge of eeriness of ambiguity and so it still makes that song it still makes Kira's theme have that tension uh, where it's it's kind of sending chills down your spine Uh, but you know every time I hear this theme I think we shared this before it makes me think of the the waffle video oh my
0: god the waffle video i'm (laughs) posting that in the discord yeah we'll share it but i love it so much
1: (laughs) i'm sure we're gonna share it one more time when we get to part four and we actually get to discuss kira properly you you briefly played a clip from the video and i could i heard the orchestra swell and i could already imagine the the waffle this video <laughs>
0: <spoil> <laughs> this video is so dumb but i love it so much and it has 3.3 million views because why wouldn't it it's all jojo fans just watching this shit um uh, yeah we'll we'll share the link in the discord so that everyone can see it if they haven't already
1: i do have an honorable mention um i was gonna mention it earlier since uh, we shared my number two villain uh, this one's kind of odd i think you'd find it odd it's Arabia Fats, who the stand user for the sun.
0: Oh, what the hell! I thought you were gonna say when you told me earlier you had an honorable mention. I was like, oh, it's gonna be Darby Senior. Uh,
1: yeah, <laughs> that's what you thought, but it was me, Arabia <laughs> Fats. <laughs> nice of <JoJo> reference. <laughs> I I just love how you know, like Dio basically hired this guy to you know be one of the enemy stands of the week to stop the Stardust Crusaders. And it's a very threatening, it's a very threatening stand because it's basically the power of the sun in the palm of my hand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you th- like it was enough to almost give the Stardust Crusaders a heat stroke until they realize the stand users just stand or is just sitting <laughs> behind a, a mirror reflection. And then you just find out it's basically this otaku. I think there's, he doesn't
0: uh, even have any speaking lines. He's on screen no. for like five seconds.
1: Yeah, you just see him with the the bump on his head from the rock that star Pla- was it Star Platinum who threw it?
0: Uh, probably. Uh, I mean, he yeeted fucking Iggy across the desert. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah, I think I just love him as a as a honorable mention villain because he's not a villain you would expect in JoJo. Again, he's just this. I would call him like a a computer geek who just happened to have this great stand ability, and Dio's thought there was something redeemable about that. It makes you think that really anyone can be a stand user. It doesn't matter what you look like or or what your abilities are or your talents. (laughs) I guess there's something very inspirational about Arabia Fats being an enemy stand user.
0: That is very random. I was certain you're going to be like darby senior but you, you got me <laughs> <laughs> well there you have it those are our favorite jojo villains but before we end the discussion i do want to ask one quick question and i know we've brought up this debate before and i'm sure it's going to come up again but which villain would you say has the worst death or ending or demise
1: i mean the two that come to mind are cars and diavolo yes
0: that is a classic JoJo debate is like who has the worst death between cars infinitely floating through space with no means of stopping that um or diavolo who is infinitely dying over and over again um but i guess if you were to pick one who would who would yours be
1: i would say diavolo because having to experience death over and over again like you're you'll feel that pain and then you'll snap to the next moment and you'll feel that pain all over again uh comparing it to cars yeah you're just a floating rock stuck in space and all you have to to keep you company is your mindless brain but at least you still have a semblance of thought and you're not really suffering you're just bored i guess but
0: is that a form of suffering though
1: oh I mean, I mean to
0: infinitely float through space not being able to move you're just lost in your thoughts forever well there's you, something you, pretty pretty scary about that <laughs> unless
1: you have a creative imagination and you can just come up with things while you're floating around in space i don't know true <laughs> what would you consider a worse death
0: so i definitely acknowledge the cars versus diavolo debate but I'm going to look at worse in like a different sense. And maybe this is just because I'm biased because I love Kira. But I think his death is the fucking worst because as re- as regular as this dude is, of course, he's going to have a regular ass death. He got run over by a- an ambulance. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he got fucking run over by an ambulance. Like, I mean, technically, he has an, a, a true death of sorts um, when he is taken to the like netherworld by all those hands in the alleyway where what's her face is in i'm i can't remember her name
1: uh was it raimi
0: maybe that sounds familiar
1: <laughs> <laughs> i thought you, you love part four so much that i didn't... do
0: but i'm bad with names you know that
1: uh yes Rami sugimoto okay
0: thank you for remembering that <laughs> um so in my mind in terms of like worst as in just like most pathetic most um unclimactic death, but so fitting for this villain is Kira's death because not only does Josuke not get the final kill because Jotaro's is the one that gets the final kill, um Kira just gets punched and then gets run, gets, over, by the gets run over by the ambulance. <laughs> the ambulance that's supposed to be saving people <laughs> kills Kira. Like it's just it's so poetic in a very different way. Um, so maybe it's my, maybe it's more like my favorite death in Jojo of all the villains deaths, but I guess if you want me to answer the question in the same way you did, yeah, I mean, Cars or Diavolo, I'd I, I think in that debate, I lean towards Diavolo as well, because you're right. Like he, he's dying in multiple ways, assuming he's feeling the pain every single time. Um, it's a new situation each time, but You're still gonna feel the pain associated with death. You know it's coming each time, and you cannot stop it, but you don't know how it's gonna happen or when it's gonna happen. Like that, that I feel like is absolute mental torture, which is what I'm sure Jorna was aiming for.
1: There's a subreddit, uh, was it Diavolo Death Count? Yeah, where people just come up with random. They're so creative. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm sure, like maybe canonically, that is all happening to Diavolo. This is a random thought that popped into my head. Do you think Kira was
0: isekai'd into like the netherworld? Because after he got his head hit,
1: by, yeah, hit by the. <laughs> the no, ambulance. I, I
0: think because he's a, he's a ghost in his own world. I don't think that's isekai.
1: But then he was dragged in.
0: Yeah, but that's not like. It's not like he went from dying in the current world to showing up in the netherworld. He was like sent there, so I mean, mm. maybe you could argue, but it's not a traditional isekai. I'd say.
1: Well, because it's an ambulance, it's not a, it's not truck.
0: Yeah, true. It's it's like coon, <laughs> but it's not truckoon.
1: Yeah, I, I forgot that it, he had such an unceremonious death.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in and joining us for a long-awaited discussion episode hopefully you enjoyed listening to our favorite jojo villains reach out and tell us your favorite jojo villain and why um and also who you think had the worst death you can reach out to us on instagram on twitter you can join our discord you can send us an email through our website however you want to reach out let us know because we want to know who you guys would rate as your favorite villain and if it's not kira that i can't accept it just kidding <laughs> and if
1: it's not deal then you're wrong
0: <laughs> but as always subscribe to strictly jojo on your favorite podcast service join our discord to chat with us follow us on instagram at the strictly series on twitter at strictly series and check out our website thestrictlyseries.com. if you'd like to support the show then head over to patreon.com slash and tune into strictly anime our other podcasts for anime reviews and discussions all links are in the description Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb.
1: To be continued.
0: But my favorite part of Wamu is his great rival we- I can't talk today.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Wifelwee.